passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Rewind the dynamite from the post-wrestling site. A-E-W, lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubbly. As we hear from John and Waiting. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the bug stops here, this thing might blow. Everything you hear, opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the forums and let them know. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind to Dynamite. I am John Pollock here with Waiting to chat about Beach Break. Hey, Hot, John. The, the hottest night of the year in Cleveland. What is it? Uh, minus nine or something Celsius? Yeah. Yeah, it was freezing. As they conveyed very eloquently on the broadcast, they made it very clear that this was a this was a frigid location for, for Beach Break that they chose. I don't know, I don't know if it's just like their their own humor about doing this beach break show but nonetheless there we go winter is coming and then right around the corner is beach break makes perfect sense yeah i suppose so um yeah we kind of talked about it earlier in the day on our daily update about the timing of this i don't know if they're just set on doing beach break in january every year or what but they had fun with it on the show tonight well i know you had a lot of fun on tuesday night with rewind away the popular follow-up to the review that you did with Chris Ely and Nate Milton last year for Slam Jam Volume 1. This time, what is in the CD player? What did you guys dust off to review? We reviewed a little-known WCW release called WCW Christmas Brawl 1996. Surprisingly, John, this actually has nothing to do with whatsoever with christmas much to your dismay unfortunately well that's perfect maybe maybe pro wrestling is just really bad with with seasonal uh promotions <laughs> i think so perhaps but what this was was a limited release only for germany during a christmas tour from wcw and so um i suppose to promote it they released a compilation of entrance themes and this just happened to be a disc consisting of entrance themes from the american males uh, Disco, Inferno, of course, Diamond Dallas Page, along with an exclusive single from Alex Wright, just for the Germans. I listened to this. And? It was stuck in my head for a good 20 minutes after after listening to it. I actually had to stop. I was like, this is, it's, it's <laughs> very catchy. And this is just one of those songs that I'm sure that it is like a secret trick to just get it embedded into your brain for an extended period of time. But what... What a song that was uh, should have been mass released across the world. This would have really taken Das Wunderkind to the next level in 1996. How, how was his rapping? Alex Wright's rapping. Uh, oh, sensationally garbage. It was beautiful. <laughs> it was amazing. The, the review was, of course, incredibly fun to do with Nate and Chris. And uh, we reviewed every track on this. You can find the album yourself on YouTube if you just think, uh, uh, Google uh, WCW Christmas Brawl. And, of course, the podcast we reviewed, not just in audio form, but video form. You can watch us talk about and react to these songs as we play them and, and discuss them at length. And that's, of course, up at postwrestlingcafe.com. And in the next couple of days, we've got uh, Bushby and Thompson's Wrestling Adventure dropping on Thursday with a review of No Way Out 2003. You can look out for that on the British Wrestling Experience feed. Friday, we've got Rewind to SmackDown on the eve of the Royal Rumble uh, because we will be live on Saturday night, Way and I, for our double-double ice cap and espresso patrons immediately after the Royal Rumble to review everything that goes down at the Dome at America's Center in St. Louis. Wow, very impressive. You must have caught the catalog of, um, you know, arena names in your brain. Uh, yes, yes, but right at the center is the Dome. Okay, 
the center of my dome is where that 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 memory resides. And as well, this Saturday, uh, we should mention that WH Park will be dropping a new edition of Post Pro Res with Joey Bay as the guest uh, this week. And Sunday, WrestleNomics Radio, hosted by Brandon Thurston and Chris Gullo. And uh, this is breaking news, Way, that in the post-wrestling Discord, Brandon has launched the idea that I don't know <laughs> if the pro wrestling world is ready for, but we're going to find out. It is the TV ratings prediction game where you can go to the Discord, into the WrestleNomics channel, and make your prediction for tonight's 18 to 49 demo number for Dynamite. Uh, incredible. Absolutely incredible. What a great idea. And, of course, you know, help, help set, up, set it all up is the Lord of the Court himself, Phil Chertok. So, yeah, just go to postwrestling.com slash Discord, join the WrestleNomics channel, and get in on some of the fun. I don't even know how this, is good, how this works. Have you I'm, made a prediction, John? No, I have not. I have not. Uh, I hate predicting uh, TV numbers, but okay. um, that's part of the fun, I guess. You know what? I, I it's it's actually pretty easy. You just type exclamation PR, and then you guess the the rating. So I'm gonna guess right now. Okay, what was Dynamite last week? Last week was a point. F- where were they? They were they were number one last week. I could pull it up for you here. Last sure, week, yeah. You want the rating or the the actual the, audience? The demo. Point, the demo. Point four four. Point four four. Okay, I think it'll be up this week. All right. I'm gonna say point. <laughs> I'm gonna say point four five. All right. Wow. Oh my God. Waiting says point four five. Yeah. Wow. That's uh. This is fun. Get in on the action, everybody. Okay. I don't know what the winner gets, but I mean, bragging rights is really all we want, right? In this, in this war. Yes. Um. You know, next week is uh, it's Brandon's uh, quarterly premium live event because it is going to be the earnings report next Thursday. So uh, I understand that him and MJ from NJ are going to do a preview of the earnings report on Monday. And then Brandon will join us next week, uh, the day after on the post daily news show to go through all of the, uh, all of the fun from Thursday night. So you can look okay. up for that next week. So lots of stuff that we're plugging away, but one hey. more thing, maybe yeah, the go, main go. event of it all, John, the up next rumble is happening this Sunday uh, at twitch.tv slash up next podcast. Of course, our friends, doing these quarterly games. I mean, Davey's going to be doing his from the other side of the world this year. So it'll be a truly international affair with Braden. I'm sure Dickie Bird will be, uh, he's he's making a, a ton of videos for it already. So get in on the action, get in on the fun. If you uh, have been, if you're not entering, you know, if you're simply going in there to watch, it's a great way to maybe um, calm down perhaps from what is bound to be a very eventful Royal Rumble. All right. I, I think we're inundating people with too many, uh, too many promotions, too many plugs. So I'm not going to uh, squeeze in the uh, the Rumble pool at postwrestling.com slash Rumble. That happens to be open Saturday until three o'clock Eastern is the deadline. Not going to do that. So instead, we're going to move on right to Cleveland, Ohio, the Wolstein Center for AEW Beach Break. Cleveland. Like what a what a historical city. For one CM Punk, that would be the subject of his promo with MJF. Uh, but first off, we are getting right down into things. Cody Rhodes and Sammy Guevara are not wasting any time. Both are in the ring for their ladder match to unify the TNT championships. And they get off to a great start here. They shake hands. Guevara early on shooting the invisible Glock at Cody Rhodes. Uh, Tiger Driver and GTH being blocked. And we just have all of these ladders set up on the ramp. So Cody grabs one of them and balances it between the ring and the barricade and just leaves it. Will we remember about this ladder? Well, they certainly would, but that, that's it. That is for later. Uh, they go into the crowd. This featured Cody taking a cutter from Sammy off of the barricade where Sammy came down and was just grabbing his back after landing on the floor with this cutter. This did not look fun. Dan Lambert and Scorpio Sky were just watching in the seats and never got involved in this match, but they were scouting and they have set up Scorpio Sky as the next challenger. Uh, Cody then hits a superplex off of this gigantic ladder in the ring. And that is where we go into picture in picture. A delayed vertical superplex. Um, Incredible. Like it looks spectacular. And and let me just say, I love the fact that so much of the, the match for these high spots, whoever was directing the show stayed on these wide shots. A, a pet peeve of mine is whenever they cut on the action or they go from a, like a low angle. I mean, it looks kind of cool in the moment, but I think it really diminishes the height and the distance from the participants 
in the ground when they do it. So this just this was the first spot of the match that just had me, you know, like my my mouth mouth was just like on the floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with you. I think that like that is what you want to emphasize. I know that there are going to be people that complain about the referees holding on to the ladder, but I am perfectly willing to. Co- Number one, it's they have to be doing that stuff. Number two, yes, you are going to see them in the shot, but I do agree with your sense of you want the best shot possible for this breathtaking spot. <laughs> I, I there's a very small percent percentage of the audience that I think is number one sees that is looking for that and number two is bothered by it. Oh, but um, you you know that stuff will be out there. It's yeah, it, it totally it happens. And I'm saying I'm saying you know we we shouldn't care that much because somebody's going to be bothered about something. People are going to criticize the believability of an Irish whip. In the end, like is the feat spectacular in in performance does it get the crowd does it get the audience at home and the answer is yes would you rather this or you know the G raver yeah exactly i literally saw a- people a- on a- sunday saying i wish there were refs to hold the ladder for aj gray oh was aj gray but i'd add g raver too when he was climbing the ladder yeah 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 so there there you go so they come back from break there is an upside down ladder that cody just drops guevara on top of and applies a figure four through the rungs of the ladder Crowd is going back and forth for Cody with with a pro and anti chance. Then Cody starts climbing, and Sammy is in the corner. He springboards off the top of a ladder into a cutter, taking Cody off the main ladder. This was our next spectacular spot. I couldn't believe this one, and this, he hit this. He hit this damn near perfectly. This thing, I mean, this was this was the overwhelmingly most shared, you know, GIF coming out of this show, and I, I mean, so deserved, you know, in a match full of uh, very GIFable moments. And yes, I, I will continue to call it GIF and not GIF. Um, this, this thing, number one, the, the planning of it, I thought it was incredibly ambitious and incredibly creative, but it was the execution. That was so incredibly smooth and so incredibly flawless that honestly, John made it one of the the most impressive ladder spots that I feel like I've ever seen. You know, you really put this up there with anything that we've seen in the TLC matches in terms of height, in terms of impressiveness, in terms of athleticism. And again, in terms of smoothness of execution, it was it was beautiful. They also paced these big moments out. It's not like they threw 18 things at you and. 12 of them you were never going to think of again. It was like they had their big spots. They had some cool stuff in between as well. I don't think this match ever like dipped, but these kinds of like big moments of the match, like they really let them breathe and stand out from the superplex to the springboard into the cutter and what we're going to get into next with the, uh, with the gigantic ladder. But um, this was already shaping up to be just a, a spectacular match, um, you know, two thirds of the way through. And so it continues. Guevara is climbing and the ladder is tipped underneath by Cody. Both go up the ladders, ending with a crossroads off the ladders. And Cody continues to climb. Sammy then is uh, he's down and out, but runs up behind Cody. And the two end up hanging from the apparatus with the titles as the ladder falls out from underneath them. And both end up falling down onto the mat. <laughs> At this point, Fuego Del Sol runs down, and he is pleading with Cody, and Cody just gives this guy the tiger driver, taking him out, and Sammy knocks Cody to the floor, big tornillo, and then, dude, he drills Cody's head into Toledo with this GTH. The camera's in close, and boom, he just nailed him with this thing. Mm-hmm. Cody is then placed on the ladder that had been balanced by Cody at the beginning of the match, and Sammy has the world's largest ladder that he sets up And this dude proceeds to just climb to the very top of this ladder. Not one rung short. He is on top of the ladder. The calmness in this man as he stood at this height, made a gesture about how crazy he was, and then dives off with this swanton. It looked spectacular, but the ease at which this guy appeared to be doing this was just breathtaking. Complete fearlessness or craziness whatever you want to call it and um i i i'm so thankful that you know the man managed to walk away from this incredible spot safely it it was these are the ladder did not break it was like cody just took his weight and kuvar came down on him i mean this looked like just rough as hell but my god the setup to it was incredible i mean those are strong ladders 
you know <laughs> this is not a new japan ladder like we're, we're talking about here it's a yeah it's um it didn't break uh i hope it, the man's lower back is okay you know all i'll say is that you know watching this in my late 30s does not look fun so i get these matches in while you can i suppose when you're that age but god uh it was spectacular this was just crazy. And then they make their way back in. They fight on the main ladder. Sammy uses the belt to knock Cody off. And then Sammy Guevara grabs both belts. A unbelievable ladder match. And I would say like a, a surprise in Sammy Guevara winning the championship here. Uh, this, this seriously, you don't want to have too much recency bias, but this is up there when it comes to ladder matches completely yeah yeah absolutely but you know the the fact that we're even entering in in that conversation tells you about the quality because we've seen a lot of ladder matches and a lot of great ladder matches um but you know in AEW like just to start the show off with this it was like god it 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 felt you know i i hate to say it but like this this beat um i think it beat the almost grab anything the brass ring well, I think it, I would say it almost beat anything I feel on, on that GCW show. You know, if you if you prefer the six man, I, I can understand that as well. But in terms of execution, in terms of just spectacular um, uh, visuals, you know, uh, this was absolutely tremendous. It was not without its faults. I think when you watch a match like this, you kind of have to put on your TLC goggles and kind of suspend your disbelief a little for number one, like guys positioning ladders a certain way when it, they're not necessarily going for the belt. Um, people falling, you know, kind of conveniently into position or maybe how even quickly guys can recover, like get Cody, you know, just kind of getting off of the GTH or like some of these spectacular falls and then simply getting up for the next spot. That's something you kind of have to suspend your disbelief for. But to me, because the spots were so tremendous, I'm a lot more forgiving about that lack of psychology a little. I actually liked the the spot when they were on the ladder in the corner and while they were up that high, like Cody extended his arm to show like he, he can't reach the belt from here. He's not going to be able to get it that, you know, it's close enough that you're at least calling attention to why isn't he trying to get the belt? Yeah, sure. That works. Why was Sammy on the other ladder? At which at which point there were many, well, many for the for the, for the for the superplex or for the cutter. Well, I guess the cutter he was trying to dive, but like they. Sure. Yeah, whatever. Who cares? In the cutter, it was like he was stopping Cody from climbing the main ladder. Right. Sure. I mean, I I hate to even talk about that right now because we should be celebrating just what incredible accomplishment that these two, uh, you know, gave gave to us, putting their bodies on the line for a a tremendous match. And again, we're coming off of this show talking about Cody. Look at that. I I mean, I mean, both were fantastic in this match. I, I think. Like Sammy Guevara is a very, very special talent, but Cody was great in this. I mean, I just, I thought this was a outstanding match. Outstanding. Mm -hmm. Then we go outside where Tony Schiavone was sent out by the lake here with uh, Ricky Starks and powerhouse Hobbs, who was sporting a a tremendous jacket, a big fur coat. And Hobbs wants another shot with Dante Martin and Starks has not forgotten about Jay Lethal's challenge and proposes an FTW title match next week in Chicago on Rampage. Yeah, yeah. Hobbs wearing, <laughs> he's dressed in overalls and a fur coat <laughs> in this weather. So that's, that's what you need in Cleveland this, this a cool time look. of year. Yeah. I just, I would have loved to have been these guys. Like, what are we doing tonight? Oh, we're sending you guys out by, by the water to cut a promo. It's, uh, it's like negative nine out. The whole show should have been done outside. Outdoors, yeah, yeah, that would have been wonderful. Uh, Wardlow took on Elijah Dean and James Alexander. We are in Wardlow's hometown of Cleveland. Uh, just murdered these two with many power bombs, stacking them on top of each other in a minute 21. Very simple. It works. You know, gave the, the, the crowd sort of like a big baby face reaction. I, I do wonder if, if maybe people in the audience were, were hoping for something a bit longer, but there, there was going to be a little bit more Wardlow interaction later on in the show. Chris Jericho, Santana, and Ortiz versus Daniel Garcia and 2.0. This was actually Jericho's first match since full gear in November. Oh, wow. Interesting. It's been a while. Santana and Ortiz just storm past Jericho during the entrance as his music is playing. And that would be the theme of the match was Santana and Ortiz kind of on their own and not involving Jericho in the match. And there's this intense exchange with Ortiz and Garcia and Santana and Ortiz are just tagging one another, ignoring Jericho. So Jericho finally tags himself in and Ortiz tags right back in and the, they're all arguing in their corner. 
So Garcia in 2.0, take advantage of Ortiz through the break. And then as Ortiz fights back, Santana is down on the floor. So Ortiz is climbing towards Jericho, but then Santana gets back up and he tags Santana. So Jericho is all frustrated. He goes down to the floor knowing that they don't want him part of the match. But as Santana hits a double cutter to Parker and Lee, Jericho ends up helping Santana by yanking Jeff Parker to the floor and into the guardrail and then hitting Matt Lee with the Judas effect from the floor, setting up the pile driver finish with Santana pinning Matt Lee in eight minutes and 52 seconds. And Santana and Ortiz, I guess, aware that Jericho helped them, but still arguing from uh, the rampway and uh, setting in motion like Santana and Ortiz sort of going down their own path away from Jericho. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. While Jericho managing to still prove that he, that they do need him, and that he is, you know, uh, more valuable to them uh, as a, you know, ally than than an opponent here. I I thought it was more so, you know, um, a storytelling type of match, but a, a solid chapter of the story that I think deepened my interest in this feud because prior to it, I can't really say I was that intrigued. Um, match, you know, crowd was certainly down a bit after such a spectacular ladder match as you would expect, but I thought the action from Proud and Powerful was really strong and fast, and 2.0 and Garcia looked great as well. You know what this reminded me of was this story that Jericho and Edge have told many times about uh, back, I think it was in 2010, when uh, Canada was in the, the gold medal game. And so they're at a house show, and it's a Sunday, and Edge and Jericho are like watching the hockey game right up until their match. And I guess they were teaming with Punk or something, whatever. But Punk was so offended that they didn't help put the match together. They were busy watching the hockey game that Punk wouldn't tag them in. So they just kind of like chilled out on the apron and then started like eating popcorn because Punk was just going to stay in the ring the whole time. Hmm. Interesting. You think Jericho was watching hockey in the back? Uh, tonight and Santana under, I don't know what hockey he would be watching. Um, I don't don't know how big the stakes are right now in the, uh, in in January, but, um, yeah, maybe Santana and Ortiz, maybe, maybe there's more to this story. Maybe Jericho was, was watching sports right up until, uh, match time tonight. So Lance Archer, uh, has a video feature here with Jake Roberts and Dan Lambert, and they have set up a Texas death match with hangman page and page is in the middle of cutting his promo when the person off screen tells him it's going to be a Texas death match. Oh, what? And then hangman page lets it settle in and we get to see his real reaction way to this Texas death match being signed for two weeks time in Atlantic city, New Jersey. Live reaction. Sure. Yeah. They're uh, yeah. Going to, you know, maybe um, uh, gory self mutilation every couple weeks, you know, and, Sure, why not? Yeah. I don't have anything to add. Uh, we've got... Uh, that was fine. it. It's a match. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been building towards. They got two weeks now to uh, to promote it. Tony interviews Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, and Christian, who are with Matt Hardy and the number one contenders in the tag team division private party. Mm-hmm. Some of these rankings, like I'm not, I understand it's the new year. So it's, it's like, they're very uh, small records that they have. I think here, here they are. Private party is two and oh, I was like, it does seem odd. Like it's the, these matches are completely off of dynamite and rampage that this team is winning and they're the number one contenders. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I maybe I'm not as critical about, about this particular one. Cause um, I think they set up earlier this year when the Jungle uh, Jurassic Express won the belts that they'll be taking on every tag team. Every ta- tag team in this division is going to go after them. So this to me just kind of feels like your next thing in line. It's it's a rampage thing, and uh, I I guess I'm I'm not too like I don't even need the ranking system like to work for me for this one. They could have just announced it for me. Well, the big match is with the Ass Boys that they said, um, mm-hmm. who are ranked number two. So they will be, I guess, next. And Matt said that Private Party is the best team he has seen since the Hardys. And they are going to become champions. And then Jungle Boy said that Isaiah Cassidy's watch is fake. So that will be happening on Friday, one of two title matches that they are putting on Rampage, which is being taped as we speak. And then the big segment, CM Punk comes out and he's in his wrestling gear takes off his hoodie, and he's wearing an MJF scarf, stating that this scarf doesn't look good on anybody, 
and saw that it's made in Long Island, and therefore he knows it's not made of strong material. He is sick of talking. He wants MJF in this ring, and he suggests we do it tonight. I've gone through Wardlow. I've gone through Sean Spears. I want him now. So MJF walks out and Punk yells to cut his crappy music. MJF just goads the fans. Do you want to see us wrestle tonight? Do you want to see us? And man, he just works this crowd. They're just screaming and says no right into the camera and asks why he would waste such a historical match in a cesspool like Cleveland. And they are pissed, pissed that you would insult our city with such language. And then he says that he will give them the match next week in Chicago, CM Punk versus MJF. But we are in crappy Cleveland tonight, a place that is rich in historical significance for one CM Punk and calls it a dream match that people want to see between the two of them. At least that's what you think you want. It's the outcome that will be upsetting to you because he's going to beat Punk in Chicago next week. And after I win, the people are going to see the real CM Punk. The Punk who loses his fake smile when he doesn't get what he wants, places his failures onto everyone else but himself, and when, and when he doesn't get his due, he's more than willing to sue. <laughs> Great. Awesome. Man, I mean, dropping rhymes here on us. Says that Punk will leave wrestling once again after next week, and you all think that Punk won't leave again? I guess you all thought that about LeBron, too. And man, was that a sore spot for this crowd. He said that Punk stating that he left pro wrestling in 2005 is not true. You left in 2014 when you were scheduled for an appearance here in Cleveland. And you no-showed. You turned your back on all of these people. And Punk doesn't care about the people who chanted his name for all those years he was gone. He'll turn his back on you and then go cry about it on a podcast. So what are what was your uh, your analysis way, your thoughts on the first half of this, the MJF portion? I thought it was fantastic. Uh, you know, I, I, I know I, I think not everybody is aware of, of the significance of, of what Cleveland means in the CM Punk story. And I thought MJF did a great job of bringing everything back up and reminding the audience, you know, this is the place where all of this happened and uh, reminding us about, you know, the podcast and everything uh, and, and doing it in a very scathing manner that ultimately just kind of made you want to see CM Punk get his hands on this guy that much more. So I th- I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I th- I think like this is a promo that like you can follow if you're someone that knows all of this story inside and out. And I don't think it would be. Uh, isolating people either. Like, I think it's enough that everyone would uh, get a lot, if not all of these uh, references. Mm-hmm. And then and a great setup for that LeBron line. Yes. Yeah. That that was like a great line here. I mean, this was just a perfect location for this promo that I'm sure they have been very much aware of uh, where, where this week was going to be uh, the week before Chicago. So Punk says, you listened to that podcast because you're a fan. And the best thing I ever did was leave. And the best thing I ever did was come back. MJF wouldn't have had his brush with greatness without me. And he says for him to get into the ring and handle business. But the fact is you can't. I never have lied to these people. Some might love me. Some might hate me. But I would rather be me and try rather than and fail rather than be you who talks a big game and never shows up. You're the guy that paid to see me, paid to get my picture, and waited in line to get my autograph. I stand by all my decisions, and these people, they don't love me because I win or hate me because I lose. They love me because I get up every time and try, just like they do in Cleveland, cheers, and just like they do in Chicago. Some booze from from that one. They were not going to be sharing any kind of accolades (laughs) with Chicago. (laughs) But he says, I went uh, FTR and Wardlow at this point uh, come out as backup when MJF challenges Punk to get up when he is knocked down. And with that, Sean Spears jumps into the ring, attacking Punk, and then FTR join in. Wardlow is kind of just walking around, not engaging in the attack. As Spears uses the chair to the sternum, to the back, and he's also got a new Just Swing It shirt in the same font of uh, Rock's Just Bring It shirt. So there you go, 20 years later. 
And MJF tells him to get up. He's knocked back down, and he instructs Wardlow to powerbomb Punk. And you can see Wardlow is conflicted about this, but ultimately delivers the powerbomb onto the chair, re-injuring the back of CM Punk that they bring up from the Wardlow match a couple of weeks ago. And then the icing on the cake is MJF sitting cross-legged on top of Punk. Taking more, more borrowing from Kenta here. I mean, the man's just uh, supplying everyone here. The, the Sitting be- cross-legged on somebody else. Yeah, I suppose Yeah, so. who has the GTS. Yeah. Says that the same place your journey began is where it ends next week. Uh, home run segment, I thought this was. It was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I thought CM Punk, his retort was, was great. His energy and his delivery is just so fantastic. That confidence and that smoothness. I think he's as good as it ever was. Um, to me, he is firing at full capacity on the microphone. I think we're getting the best version of CM Punk that we've seen right now, at least on the mic. And then this entire segment, I, I mean, because the Wardlow match was so so short earlier, I thought they were actually going to do the turn tonight. I thought tonight was, could have been, there's a good chance that in front of his hometown crowd, he was going to turn on MJF. And I think there's a, at least a good portion of this audience that felt the same way. So they were able to p- play with that tension really well. The fact that it's going to continue a little bit longer, I'm not mad at that whatsoever. I thought the segment overall, you know, did did very well to set up the match next week. I mean, all they had to do was say, hey, the match is happening. And that's that's all you needed by this point. It's such a hot program. But I also thought they put some good spotlight on Wardlow, too, in the midst of it all. Yeah, um, I, I think this this feels like a huge match for next week in mm-hmm. Chicago. Um, Maybe I should update my prediction. I totally forgot, actually. Oh, well, you were matches. making the prediction for tonight's show. Oh, that's right. Okay, never mind. Okay, I'm going to save my my prediction for next week then. Yeah, you have a whole week to to think yeah. about your your prediction. Uh, how, how do you think you you lay this out next week? I mean, from what we've seen, they they start this they start the show off with the biggest match. They start the shows off at the main event, so we'll probably get this right off the bat. And it's it's not going to be a conclusive end. You know, the program's way too hot not to drag it onto pay per view, which is I think where where this will ultimately end up. Um, maybe they take a bit of a break away from it, but I think there's you might even get a trilogy of matches at this point. It's it's that hot of a program. But there's going to be some ending that, you know, will facilitate a second match. And I think it has to be MJF that wins, don't you? In Chicago. Yeah, I think that if you're doing multiple matches, um, maybe that's that's the kind of finish you do um, with MJF winning here. And in, I would involve Wardlow somehow because I think when this program concludes i think wardlow should be very much tied into it in in some way and maybe that's when you uh pull the trigger with uh wardlow um yeah i i would put this on last next week i don't think there's going to be anything bigger than this that they could possibly come up with and i think it's um a really i mean if they were to, they they put page versus danielson off the top they put they always put their biggest matches off the top to try to get that biggest audience that biggest number for that quarter to you know help their overall average you you think they would actually change next week i could i could i could see this going on going on last um we'll see i mean those are those are the two positions you would you would imagine like either opens or closes uh the show but yeah i i definitely expect that this um i i'm expecting like they'll do another match at the pay-per-view i think we're going to get at least two matches out of this and the idea of mjf beating punk in chicago um I think that could be like the the reason to continue it. That that would be a really strong way to uh, go through with this next week. We're still pretty far from revolution here, March sixth. You know, more than a, a a month away. But I mean, it's it's not that bad. You know, like that's that's a few few dynamites and maybe a couple matches, maybe tag matches in between that. Yeah, I do think it's they could drag this out to the pay per view after this for a rematch. I mean. The acclaimed cut a promo on John Moxley and compare him to Al Bundy, and they end the promo. It's going to be Bowens and Moxley on Rampage, and they end it with the call for a star wipe, and they got one. Hmm. Yeah. Um. He looks a bit better than Al Bundy. Yeah, I would say. <laughs> would, that make, is... would that make Renee Peggy? Yes. Yes. And they're going okay. to be in Chicago next week. So. Um... Oh. Yeah, wow. maybe that ties it all together. Shivati is with Griff and Julia Hart, and Mark Sterling interrupts and says that Jade Cargill has picked Julia Hart to be the next challenger, but has to sign a waiver due to her eye problem. Thinks this is a uh, PCO in the uh, brawl for all. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Griff, th- <laughs> Griff thinks this is a bad idea. A good friend, this Griff Garrison, and Julia Hart says, I can fight my own battles and signs probably her life away. Uh, didn't read this at all. And the match is on for Rampage. We're seeing, we saw some of that dark side come out of Julia Hart, you know, and, and I mean, it felt more like, you know, teenage rebellion, um, I, I'll say, than maybe anything House of Black related. But nonetheless, it, it feels like we are seeing a bit more of a, a bit more of a slight edge to Julia Hart now than usual. Did you see the little bit that she did on, on BTE? I think it was BTE, at least, of her. No. <laughs> so she's got the eye patch, and they just, like, show, showed a few things of her, like, having to adjust to, and she's walking into doors. <laughs> like, she, um, I don't know, she mistakenly walks into the men's room instead of the women's room. It's just, it, it, it. It's as campy as it sounds, but people might enjoy it if you watched it. Oh, okay. Well, uh, you have not sold me on uh, watching Being the Elite, but I will. I'm more than happy to hear your your updates on on how Julia Hart is progressing to life with one eye. Layla Hirsch against Red Velvet. These are the number one and number two ranked women in the women's division. Uh, Velvet goes for a triangle and is lifted and put into the corner. They go through the break. Velvet is selling her arm, but comes back with a spear and then a knee strike lands for Layla and she pulls up on the cover and moves to the legit lock and Red Velvet gets her boot on the rope, argues with the referee, Rick Knox, and there is a figure four counter by Velvet and then a spin kick is caught by Layla and rolls up Red Velvet while hooking the trunks and pins her in eight minutes, eight seconds and afterwards continues her attack, reapplying the legit lock when Chris Statlander runs down and chases Layla uh, up the ramp. Yeah. First of all, Raymond in the chat room is saying that it was actually Sammy's vlog and not BTE with the Julia Hart stuff. So thank you for that, Raymond, in the chat. Um, crowd did not give this much, but I thought the response was appropriate given that the promotion didn't give this much either. It was a pretty heatless match, uh, kind of lost in a sea of pretty you know a pretty star-studded edition of dynamite um not much very little i mean we do have a story attached to it but it's one that i think hardly has you know garnered that much interest outside of maybe very people that are very faithful AEW dark viewers you're talking about two people in in layla hirsch and red velvet who make rare appearances on dynamite and putting them out there for this length i thought was pretty much a recipe for you know uh, uh, exactly i think what you got here which was a heatless long match yeah and i mean the consequences here is that layla hirsch was number two beating number one so she's four and oh now so in theory she should be in line for uh, one of the title matches um but it looks like they will also probably continue this with uh chris statlander involved house of black did a promo uh, about the audience demanding conflict and violence they have delivered it with brody king coming in and king says that pack denounced the house of black he will be humbled and then you will thank us. And just like death, we are inevitable. These two look so cool. This, this was not uh, Julie Hart walking into a garbage can with one eye. <laughs> it's a bit cooler. I mean, I'm, I'm already so sold on the House of Black. These videos are, are absolutely tremendous. Um, so mysterious. Brody King getting to speak in this one. And maybe notable that, you know, they weren't just pointing out Pac, but they were going after the Death Triangle as well. So uh, future stable war to come how about brody not even responding to cody's uh comments last week well john i mean it's long-term planning right it's long-term build you know but by the way the reaction to that promo like the conversation lasted for quite a while and it it was really fascinating for me to read through every single response to our youtube videos or people you know kind of commenting on 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 the podcast about their thoughts because it was a wide range and I think everybody, you know, with very valid opinions, um, everybody re- thinking about it pretty like deeply and, and providing their own reasons about why they enjoyed it or why they didn't enjoy it. So say what you want about it. I mean, it's 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 something that gets people talking. Guevara returns with Fuego del Sol and just holds up the cue cards during the break about, you know, thanking the fans. This is our title. He didn't politic or brown nose for this. Britt Baker is out for a presentation of the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Awards. She's won three of them for Match of the Year, Most Improved, and Female Wrestler of the Year. And she comes out in uh, Pittsburgh colors here uh, with the black and black and yellow with a Penguins logo on there, a Pirates logo. So 
The crowd was uh, just fighting Baker this whole promo uh, as she was constantly putting over Pittsburgh and taking shots at Baker Mayfield of the Cleveland Browns and uh, talking about her Britopia. And she didn't take a spot. She created a spot. And this just went for a long time that I was just waiting for someone to interrupt her or it was just like her coming out and pretty much saying, I haven't spoken for a long time, so I'm going to make up for lost time and just cut like a five-minute promo about how great she was. It, it was certainly unique for a professional wrestling show to have somebody just kind of come out with really really seemingly no objective than to maybe, you know, take this victory lap. Um, I don't know if, if, if it was, you know, like a way to to actually um, maybe, you know, uh, celebrate this PWI awards or, or what. But there were no interruptions, no match seemingly to build off of this. It it just kind of felt more like, hey, like let's recognize Britt Baker for having a great twenty twenty one. When at the I end thought of I thought this was going to lead to like Thunder Rosa, like I know she's involved with with the uh, with um with with Mercedes, but and they have to do that match, but it just seemed like it, it this at at the very least I think was trying to be subtle and reminding you about this match when they zoomed in on the plaque and everyone's aware, you know, it's Thunder Rosa should be getting this plaque as well. Okay. Maybe too subtle then. Maybe know? too maybe too subtle. Um, anyway, it was, uh, I mean, the crowd kind of made this because they were just so, like, vociferous here against Baker. And Baker was very clever here with some of, like, the, the sports stuff. But I, I did think this, this went on for some time. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm such a fan of Britt Baker that I, I, I enjoyed every second of it, even if it, it didn't have seemingly have like a direct, you know, uh, uh, follow up with, with a match in mind, nor an opponent. I, I mean, I, I think she's just such a great promo that it was just fun for me to like hear her go on and make fun of this crowd. All right, here is our rundown of matches that they have announced. So Rampage on Friday is Championship Friday. John Moxley against Anthony Bowens, uh, the delayed match with FTR against Lee Johnson and Brock Anderson, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus against Private Party for the tag titles, and Jade Cargill against Julia Hart for the TBS title. Then Vicky Guerrero and Nyla Rose come out, and Rose is demanding a rematch with Ruby Soho, calling it a fluke that she lost to her, and if they fought 100 times, Nyla would win 99 times. So they are going to have a rematch next week, presumably. And then they announced for next week's Dynamite, Punk and MJF and Pac and Penta against the House of Black. Okay, there you go. Main event, lights out match between Adam Cole and Orange Cassidy. They go to the floor very early on and Adam Cole pulls out a chair and there at the end of the chair is Dan Housen. He emerges and dude, the reaction this guy got, it was incredible. Everybody knew who this person was, and I suspect, you know, I mean, a, a healthy amount of the of the home audience recognized this as well. Uh, they built him from. Did they say he was from Cleveland? He he on on the broadcast. Yeah, did they say that? I didn't. Ca- I didn't catch it if they said that. Yeah, I forget too. But I mean, at least you know, Wikipedia states that he is. Uh, he was born in Detroit. So, uh, anyway, either either way, I mean, this was a crowd in person that that treated him like a star. They were chanting his name. You know, AEW I think often can get away with these sort of debuts. I mean, Brody King too. You know, he's a name that has never really been mentioned on any sort of major. Um, uh, or at least no, no, no addition of dynamite. You know, he wasn't an ROH guy, and same with Danhausen. I, I guess a similar level of star power, but I think for Danhausen, that much more online buzz. He's somebody who's kept his name uh, alive really well post Ring of Honor. I mean, I think bigger now than even while he was at Ring of Honor, doing all the A and W teases online. Um, so it was only a matter of time before I think he made his appearance in AEW. I didn't think it would be in in the, in a match like this though in this circumstance and really having no no effect but that that's sort of true to the to the sense of humor of the character i guess yeah and then like right after this the uh, tony khan announced his his signing but this was like a, a cool cameo and i was just i was really impressed with like how how big of a reaction he got here uh so the match continues there's a panama sunrise off the apron to the floor that gets stopped and instead cassidy puts cole through the timekeeper's table and the orange punch gets blocked with Cole using the ring bell before running Cassidy into the steps and smashing his hand between the ring and the steps. And later we're seeing like the hand is bleeding as Cassidy would sell this hand for the duration of the match. 
all these weapons get involved. They fought over a chain, and then two chairs get set up in the ring. Cassidy counters with a stun dog millionaire and puts Cole through both chairs with a Michinoku driver. Out comes Brandon Cutler, followed by Wheeler Yuta, Bobby Fish, Chuck Taylor, the Young Bucks, and then you've got uh, Rapongi Vice, who are out as well, but they get fought off. The Bucks... Um, the Bucks end up getting stopped by Trent and Romero, and they're all removed. So we're back to Cole and Cassidy. Cole kicks out of the beach break, and then he is hit with the orange punch. But Cassidy's hand is so hurt, and he gets low-blowed by Adam Cole. But Orange Cassidy, he watched Matt Cardona and Chelsea Green, and he knew to wear a protective cup, and he offset the low blow by Cole. So Cassidy ends up hitting his own Panama Sunrise for a two count, then wraps the chain around his hand, and Cole just rolls to the floor, and he starts going up the ramp, and he's going to the backstage area. Cassidy goes after him, and they go back to the go position, and Cole is using Jerry Lynn as a shield, and from there, Cassidy ends up being uh, hit with a Death Valley driver through Tony Khan's table, and I don't know if he caught this way. Did you zoom in? Because Tony Khan's notes were laying there, and I'm thinking the Revolution card might have right, been right there on national television for everyone. You know, I haven't scoped out all, all, all the detective work that might be going on as we speak, John, but um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll zoom in on HD and try to find a good replay. They return out to the arena, and Adam Cole sets up for the boom, but it's cut off with a super kick. Again, Cassidy wraps the chain, and he has stopped when Cole blasts the hand with a light, and Cole climbs up the lighting truss onto the entranceway, and Cassidy climbs up behind him without Cole realizing, and it's Cassidy that delivers the low blow, and he hugs Cole and ends up launching both of them off the top of the entrance and through the stage. Cassidy lands on top and pins Cole in 16 minutes and 57 seconds. Cole's first loss in AEW, but it doesn't count. Because it's lights out. Yeah, it's off the record. Very good match. You know, um, I, I don't know if it was like sort of the gory, bloody affair that we may have come to expect from these lights out build matches. But you had some very big, dangerous spots in this one. Multiple tables broken. Uh, staging lights used. A Mishinoku driver through two unfolded chairs. And then the a really crazy final spot, like the angle at which Cole fell looked actually pretty dangerous. And you again, you don't really get the sense of the height until you see that final wide shot in the replay. But it was a really crazy bump. So I I definitely do think they lived up to it. Um, they delivered, a, I think, a very satisfying and hopefully ultimately, you know, relatively safe enough version of this match without having to, you know, do a crazy blade job other than <laughs> a bit of blood on Orange Cassidy's hand. Um, but I, I, I thought it was a very good match, not the match of the show because surprisingly, because of that incredible ladder match, but nonetheless, this book ended a, an edition of dynamite with two very strong TV matches. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, I, I thought it was like, it was, it was a really entertaining main event. I think some of the, some of the near falls were, were very dramatic. You had an awesome crowd and yeah, I, I put the ladder match ahead of it, but I thought this was just such a great episode with those two matches and the big uh, punk MJF segment. Like those were three very, very strong elements on a two hour show. Yeah, it it was a very strong edition of AEW Dynamite that, you know, they are, they kind of build these shows as like little mini pay-per-views. And this certainly felt like that. Two excellent matches, very satisfying and a great little promo segment in between. Good promo from Britt Baker as well, I thought. Do you think the lights out match at all if... Like, has AEW somewhat put themselves into a corner where, you know, they have done so many of these violent matches that bring about, you know, the desire for blood and thumbtacks that, you know, tonight's match was almost like trying to get yourself away from that crutch that you have to go to uh, when, when you do one of these matches? Maybe. Yeah, we, we don't know. We don't know how much of the gory self-mutilation comment um, might have been in their minds in the planning of this match. Again, it's hard to really say that they 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 were that you know conservative because that final spot. I'm I'm watching a replay right now and it was pretty crazy, you know, just to see that landing. There were, don't get me wrong; there was still plenty of dangerous stuff. But I'm just saying for like the visual element, and mm-hmm. and that also comes with the knowledge you're coming back with a Texas death match in a few weeks. On top of that, yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, you know, is is it? Can we say that it's a crutch that AEW is relying on the promise of like you know ultra violence or or, or this? Not even a, a crutch, but I think like there you have some kind of set out that that expectation for your fan base because you have done so many of those violent matches and you've you've pushed the limit very far of where you can go on TV. So I think that's where fans expectations are going to go. Sure. Yeah. I, I do think at times like they, they might do too much blood. It, it is something I think might be more valuable when you save it for a big pay-per-view or something instead of just an edition of Rampage. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, maybe maybe there was some thought put into to that for this particular match. And, and there uh, was some blood in this, but not, you know, the kind hand of, blood. Yeah, I mean, it was it. it was minor. And this honestly, I don't think this match needed that either. No. Like, I, I thought it was like a really entertaining match uh, mm-hmm. for what it was like this. We didn't need to see Adam Cole bleeding buckets uh, in, in this match. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, let's go to forum.postwrestling.com and uh, get some feedback for everyone from Beach Break. Uh, Wade, do you want to start things off? Sure. We go to Steve from Cambridge who says, the ladder match was slow and boring. The cutter was awesome, though. I, I, man, I'm I, I don't I'm think sorry. those two words uh, went through anyone's mind watching this. I, I'm in such Steve disagreement here. with Steve. I mean, may, you know, maybe some people feel feel the same way, but man, John and I definitely um, didn't feel that way. My wife can't take a woman that names herself after cake seriously. Okay, referring. All right. She laughs whenever they say Red Velvet. Is there any backstory to the name that I'm not aware of? I mean, I don't know. It's a cool name. I, I think, I don't, I, you know, I, I, I think it's a bit of a, what's wrong with it? Okay, he says that last commercial came a little late. Otherwise, it was a fun match with a couple slow spots. Didn't know the guy under the ring, so it didn't land with me. Cool for the people that did, though. It was nice to see Orange Cassidy get a big win. Feels like he's been losing a lot of matches. Yeah, that is true. Um, but yeah, no, something like Danhausen is is going to hit for certain people and completely not hit for others. Um, but you know, at this point, like AEW kind of got to the dance by catering very much to the type of audience that knows who a Danhausen is. So, um. Yeah, you're you're going to maybe divide some of the, and, and and separate some of the casuals. So we'll see what the follow up is. How do they explain who this person is? All right. On that note, we go to Glenn. I watch tonight's dynamite the way I always do with my fiance in the room who is reading a book and hates this shit. This is a highlight recap of her responses to the show. Why is the referee pushing guys off the ladder? Ugh, it's that douche with the scarf again. Is she really a practicing dentist? Ooh, that Baker Mayfield joke was mean. Why are we listening to the Pixies? Hmm. Thank you very much. We got a Kate from Montreal who says, really enjoyed the show overall. That ladder match was spectacular. And I like the narrative that Sammy had to go to a different level, literally and metaphorically, to finally get a win over Cody. Yeah, lost on all this is that Sammy has finally beat Cody, right? Or, yeah, what, they, they the pushed record? that in the match. They mentioned at the beginning, like, not only was it the first match on Dynamite, but Sammy had never beaten Cody. They did bring that up. There you go. Some decent story advancement with the inner circle breaking down, and with Wardlow appearing to become more and more disenchanted with MJF. I liked how giving him a match beforehand showed how hard he normally hits the powerbomb compared to the weaker version he gave Punk. Hmm, was that intentional, you think, John? Because, I mean, for me, it's like, I thought he wasn't going to do the powerbomb, and the fact that he did it was was enough. Like, no matter how devastating, was enough of a I, disappointment. You know? I, I didn't think the point of it was was how much effort he put into it. I think it was clear he was doing it begrudgingly. Like, that was the whole part of Wardlow's involvement there, was he did not get in on the attack. He was, like, off to the side, and it was only when prodded that he went along with uh, obeying the order. Mm. Kate says, I thought the main event took a few minutes to get going, but really picked up after the big debut. I unashamedly love that Danhausen, and I feel like he can occupy a similar role to the one Orange Cassidy has, comedic but capable. The one bummer was that Excalibur twice ran down what was coming up in the show in the first half hour and didn't mention the women's match either time. In the Road 2 video they did as a teaser for the show, they also previewed every match except the women's. I truly don't understand why progress is so slow in that regard. You know, to that, Kate, I'll say um, it was by far the match with the least amount of star power, and that's no excuse. You know, they they could have put a Thunder Rosa on this card. They could have put, um, you know, even a Chris Statlander, I think, I think is a more notable performer. A Ruby Soho is a more notable performer that could have possibly lived up to the expectations already set by so many of the other participants in a stacked card anyway. I... 
but, I, but they were doing a story with these two. It's not like this was a like cold match either. Right, but the but 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 it's a cold story that hasn't had much time to mm-hmm. to to you know. Um, I'm just saying why the match was on the show as opposed to just a random person versus you know Layla Hirsch here. It was like they they had been trying to uh, get this across. I'm not saying it's like a very big and popular story that's going on, but it does have a reason for doing the match, and you the, can argue that. You know, they're they're trying to put this program onto the main show, but it was also one that, yeah, it was it was not one of the marquee matches on the show. Well, I mean, how about how about how about just giving it a little bit more push, you know, to get the crowd actually invested? Because the way it played out, it it kind of felt like a bathroom break match, John. Well, if I, I didn't see Road 2, like if there was um, a portion of this match on Road 2, um yeah, maybe you could have like fit fit that in somewhere. I mean, this is a crammed show, but yeah, this, it was a match that maybe could have used some kind of emphasis for someone that's not really following this this three way feud with uh, Statlander, Velvet, and Hirsch all that closely. You know, at the same time, like something something does have to give on these shows, John, because because they are so packed, especially one like this. And and unfortunately, this week it, it was going to be these two. Um, anyway, not, not to say it's an excuse, you know, it continues to be, uh, maybe a point of criticism, but, um, but there are reasons and, and it's a continued discussion. Okay. Next we have a piece of feedback here from Brandon. This was a really great show bookended by two pay-per-view quality matches. The opening ladder match was stupendous after watching the world on GCW this weekend. It makes you really appreciate how dangerous these matches can be. I thought Cody and Sammy both really brought the innovation and violence it's interesting to see where the inner circle drama is heading. Will Guevara and Jake Hager try to intervene and save the group from breaking apart? MJF is gold as an antagonist. The best heels in wrestling are very flawed, but can't see that for themselves. MJF grew up envious of Punk and feels shunned that his hero didn't recognize him as an equal. The crowd was frothing at the mouth to see Batista, I mean Wardlow, knock MJF's block off. Triple H versus Batista joke aside, the outstanding feud is reaching its pinnacle. Can't wait for next week. And, uh... Goes on here. Final thoughts uh, with Adam Cole and Orange Cassidy was straight fire, as the kids say. Cassidy really mangled his hand and the visual damage really added to the intensity of the match. Those two have tremendous chemistry and beat the crap out of each other. I don't envy their task of having to follow the opening ladder match. And uh, the lights out match was freshly special. Finally, we got a mugging who says an an entertaining show that pushed things forward. The opening ladder match was tremendous. Sammy Guevara was in Spanish God mode. The leapfrog cutter off the ladder was just unreal, and he got a career-making win over the device of Cody Rhodes. I felt a little deflated when Wardlow didn't turn on the pinnacle. Being in his hometown of Cleveland, Cleveland during the MJF and Punk's War of Words felt like the right place at the right time. The lights-out match bookended Beach Break effectively. Orange Cassidy can only lose so much, so it was the right move to see him beat Adam Cole. And that Dan Housen cameo was amusing. Yeah, I I think you have to wait for I know, I know it's like the uh, wait till it plays out story, but I mean if you were to do it tonight with Wardlow before this match, which if you're looking at this as the first match in the series, like I I think you, you want to do this this Wardlow turn at the right time when you're ready to do this program with MJF, and I don't think they're ready for that yet. So I think it's it's obviously something that they want the audience to be like at the edge of their seat waiting for this to finally happen. But um, yeah, mm-hmm. it was. They were in their hometown, but I, I can't say that maybe the, the timing was right to do it tonight. Yeah, yeah. In terms of the, the greater story, perhaps, I think, you know, we we all just kind of think about how that moment would have been in the man's hometown. I'm sure the urge was was there, but I also trust that they might have a better spot for it. Yeah. And I mean, we're we're going with like the assumption that it continues. They They also could go and surprise people and. You could go in that direction with with where Wardlow does not follow his order next week, and Punk wins next week, and and Punk is like the one going for the title. I don't think that's like a completely. I I don't think that's the way they go, but it's still an option. Definitely, absolutely. Uh, just one one more thing here I wanted to mention was Johnny Gargano tweeting today. Of course, the show was in Cleveland, and I don't know if I really heard it, but I mean. This is in reference to the Johnny Gargano or Johnny Wrestling chants that, that might have taken place tonight. Johnny Gargano tweets, I heard you and you have no idea how much it means to me that you're excited to see me back at it. It's scary to step away because your insecurity say they'll forget about you, but you haven't forgotten and I promise that I will make it up to you ASAP. All right. Well, there you go. Um, interesting. So there you have it. 
That is going to bring an end to the show. So thanks to everybody that uh, left feedback or tuned in live in the Zoom room for the show. Way and I are back on Thursday, 1 Eastern, live. But not just on YouTube, Way. We're all over the place. Yeah, we started today streaming on all platforms, including Twitter and Facebook. So those three, if you follow us on any of those devices what or, or, or social media apps, whatever you call it, whatever is convenient for you, tune in at 1 o'clock Eastern time for the post-daily news update. All right, we'll speak to you on Thursday. Thanks to everybody for tuning in, and that is it for Rewind to Dynamite.